Let's just get right into it since we're kind of obviously got some energy here. Um, Yeah, cool. So kind of the cliche kicking off point I thought would be good is, you know, most people I find who are on a journey that's so antithetical to the mainstream have usually have some type of unique story of how they, they got to where they are. And I'm just curious what that story is for you. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, specifically how I got my kind of like, you know, counterculture lens that I seem to always have on and sometimes can't keep off. I think it stemmed from my connection with nature from a very young age and how I grew up understanding nature. Honestly, I grew up on a farm. It was tobacco and potatoes that were conventionally farmed. So, I mean, like pesticides used, but I'm grateful for that opportunity because it allowed me to connect with nature and know where my food comes from. From a very small age like I was the guy out there selling the berries when I was like eight years old right so That's I cool. was like very I was very lucky in that but at the same time there's that paradox where my relationship with nature was always one of control seek to dominate and control right and, and I mean at the same time still having reverence for you know the elements for storms and what they can do to your crops but I really think that that kind of shaped my I guess critique because as I started getting older and I started seeing the diseases that come with these types of crops or say these types of foods like so whether you're eating potato chips for example or you're out there spraying the uh, you know the potatoes with the pesticides like my uncle passed away from cancer very much related to his years spent in the fields right so all throughout this time I was always into health and fitness I actually was a personal trainer um, basically when I graduated business school and political science Um, that kind of I guess I shouldn't skip over that because that really allowed me to gain, uh, I think, knowledge of how the world works. Honestly, like my business degree was something I got to use, you know, being an entrepreneur, which I'll touch on as well. But just having that lens of like business and then politics and kind of a critical perspective more so as I started to go throughout my university degree, I started to, uh, I joined a rock and roll band that was part of like a hardcore, a hardcore metal band. So um, that was very much a stance about like picking each other up because, Big Brother, sure as heck, as you know, Big Brother, as in the government, isn't going to always be watching out for us. So I started to gain this critical perspective then because I started to see the holes in, in a society and, it, and honestly in Canada, in a country that I really do love and, and associate with, right? at least at that time. So as I kind of grew up trying to want to fix the system, then I realized you can't fix anything that doesn't want to be fixed, right? Mm. And I learned, I learned that the hard way through, one, working with clients and then just kind of beating my head off the wall as a personal trainer. That's where I became a holistic lifestyle coach. And that really helped me kind of zoom out from that uh, fix it mentality and start to kind of really kind of almost heal my relationship with nature from when I was younger and start to look at nature as this ally rather than this thing we have to control and and use to, you know, benefit our health, if you will. So I think that whole education that I had in my later 20s really set me up for success as far as my outlook on life Uh, during that time as a personal trainer. I realized I wanted to teach, so I went back to school, started a master's program, and started my PhD, and uh, that allowed me to teach at the college level for a little bit in fitness and health promotion, and then during that time, me and my ex-wife at the time, 
we essentially had a business together that uh, was a kombucha company. So that kind of stemmed from my, you know, holistic lifestyle coaching and, and focus on digestive digestive disorders and whatnot. And then from there, that birthed this company that kind of blew up overnight. With that sort of that relationship kind of blew up, hmm. you know. And then from there, um, this is kind of where I really wanted to get to with this story. So it took took all that to kind of say this is where uh, I guess my counterculture, uh, if that's what I'm going to call it here, uh, lens really crystallized for me. Um, was when I went through that divorce and I basically went on a pilgrimage into kind of one of those dark nights of the soul type periods. And I found myself in the woods at my parents' house. So they have about 10 and a half acres, most of it's bush. And I found myself basically living in an RV in this uh, forest for, you know, just almost about two years. And in that time, I started to really culminate the stuff that I had lost throughout that time of hustle and bustle, working to build this company overnight. Um, and like in this time, that whole company kind of hung in the balance. So I like, I really lost everything at that time. And that's where I realized I could gain just about anything. And I really culminated those years of being a holistic lifestyle coach, started taking my own medicine, started kind of deepening my spiritual connection, um, one with nature, but two with God and kind of really coming to terms with the idea of a God, mm. uh, you know, years of being in kind of like a new age, uh, spiritual teachings and sorts, I've always kind of referred to God as a source or this uh, a universe, what have you. Mm -hmm. But then I was really able to kind of come to terms with this marriage of, of spirit and nature. And from that, um, as soon as I kind of surrendered to that, um, so I did a vision quest that actually allowed me to kind of really, again, crystallize this, where I went through this experience and essentially kind of, uh, kind of like an ego death experience where I was able to see that I just have to forgive myself for this constant striving to achieve these, you know, goals that were set by you know that kind of shadow side of our modern day culture and so when i realized that uh you know i had to when i realized that i basically had to pick myself up and walk out of the woods and that very day i was able to kind of yeah just look at uh look at the world a little bit different realize that in order to be whole we have to be you know acknowledge our spirit and both that physical side of us which is nature, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then from there, that was, that was it. I, I was able to, once I surrendered to that, I got bought out of the company for, you know, a good amount of money. And I was able to buy some acreage up North in Ontario. Nice. And, and from there kind of start my podcast and yeah, really start to uh, look at what's next. And, and then here comes coronavirus and this need for us all to kind of reconnect with nature or this, what I thought was, you know, I started my podcast in a time where I thought we were all starting to become privy to things like the hygiene hypothesis and the old friends hypothesis and start to make friends with bacteria and the, the world around us. And then we kind of went 180 degrees yeah. in the opposite direction. So um, I kind of uh, have remained silent throughout this uh, last year. But at the same time, I'm starting to realize uh, we have to speak up and stand in our truth. And I guess all of that is, is very much my truth. <laughs> yeah, that was great, man. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, so many things came up during that for me. I mean, to the most recent one of the, you know, what you're saying about, you know, how we're all kind of catching on to this idea about like, um, well, for sure with bacteria, the idea that not all bacteria is bad and that we should take probiotics or that we should not always wash our hands with, you know, I mean, I think some countries have banned antibacterial soap altogether really? i, I want to say because right. it you know tends to create stronger pathogenic bacteria if you you know if you even subscribe to that sort of mindset but right um you know it seems like 
the COVID situation really kind of, because you can understand those things from a logical point of view, but it really kind of pushes you to your, your limit or pushes you into one side of the other as far as like how deeply you actually believe or understand or have the felt sense of being comfortable with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dirtiness or, you know, just right. the human condition as far as like the spreading of our microbiomes, microviromes, you know, all these, mm-hmm. all these different things. Um, and so exactly. maybe some people who probably logically understood that it makes sense that you, you know, that there's this interplay between, uh, this microscopic world and that it's not all bad. They still have this intense, deep fear of nature and of death. And I'm not saying I don't, you know, I, I can very right. much resonate with that. Um, but yeah, it just seems like for a lot of people, um, that fear was too much to really hold on to that understanding or to, right. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? No, I, I definitely would. I'd say the roots haven't or did not grow deep enough to, you know, weather the storm. Right. Uh, and then people are going to resort back to obviously what they feel comfortable with. And then I think just given the fact that the biomedical model and the you know medical profession, doctors, that is, um, they, they are the top spot and they kind of dictate as to how policy goes, or at least they're supposed to. Um, and I think that right there is people are going to naturally hand over that locus of control and power when they don't, uh, when they don't know, right? And there is like it's it's a very complex. I mean, I I equate it to a very important time in science where it's like we're almost. It's almost like when we learned that the world is not flat, unless of course you think the world's flat. <laughs> right. It's my, right. Don't don't use my analogy. But like, let's just say it's like it's one of those times in science where we're starting to realize that like the germ theory, a lot of good came from it. One of which is you know how to make good wine and kombucha. But you know, the germ <laughs> theory actually like you know there is some value in uh, understanding how bacteria can essentially kill us if we're, you know, get, get a cut um, or we get an infection or whatnot. Yeah. But it's kind of run its course. However, the institutions of how we, you know, in industrialized countries, these institutions have a stronghold on this type of knowledge and this system because it's done well. And it's, you know, I mean, it, it came about during the world Second World War. So the idea of like antibiotics, um, you know, it was a huge thing that could have like turned the course to whichever side would win the war. So, I mean, we, we tied a lot of our identity as a culture um, into that. And obviously, when times get tough, we're just going to resort to the experts, air quotes, like experts, yeah. right? However, we are we are seeing a, a turn in science and understanding of, or at least I see it as that, where it's like we are starting to understand, understand the terrain theory and that, you know, our organism, our body, how healthy we are, or what its current state is in, is going to impact how we receive information so again like you said bacteria viruses that are around in our environment that we evolved from right so it's just like there's the vilifying of nature in one sense vilifying of ourselves through this virus bad mentality Mm -hmm. um which is really like it's got the forefront of people that are making policies and stuff and it's uh it's here here we are so it's you know i put my fist together it's like people are at at war with each other these two ideas and i can only imagine like other times in human history where things like this have happened like to be like listen guys the, the earth is round <laughs> you know like to be that first one out there and i think of like things like with hippocrates like it took about 250 years for people to realize that vitamin c cured scurvy they mm. wouldn't people wouldn't accept this right and people are dying on sh- ships as they 
scour the earth. So um, it's just like the way we, again, tie our identity into this uh, being above nature and control of nature is just, honestly, it's it's kind of what motivates me to get up out of the bed, out of bed every morning and, and research this stuff because our degree of disconnection from nature, I would say, determines how men- our mental health, essentially, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. I didn't plan to dive into the COVID stuff right away, but I mean, I feel like uh, we're just going, so I'm going to continue with that. But <laughs> we can kind of backtrack in a little bit. But, um, you know, everything you said resonates with me, and I've been grateful in a weird way. I mean, and this is not to disparage anybody who's had their challenges with COVID, because I understand that just the whole situation, whether it's you know, people around you getting sick or whether it's you losing your job or whatever it is, obviously there's been a lot of challenges. But that being said, like for me personally, it's really pushed me deeper into my own, um, you know, journey or for what my beliefs are and just like studying things that I never would have imagined I'd be interested in as far as like uh, the origin of viruses or what the nature of viruses actually are, or, you know, like the fact that the human placenta is apparently mostly viral in nature. Um, and this idea that viruses might be completely misunderstood and they might be more of a, you know, genetic signaling system to deal with stress in the environment versus a pathogenic thing that's out to, you know, harm you. And just really challenging my own, sort of deep conditioning around nature being like out to get you in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I'm continuing to work on and work through. I I don't think I ever consciously believed that, but you know, Mm -hmm. just through culture, I think we all get indoctrinated with some level of that. Obviously there are dangers in nature, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing I've really been feeling so deeply that is lacking in this in our situation in this culture is like the deep understanding that nature is inherently intelligent Mm. that and your body's not separate from that so we're all part of a an insanely intelligent system that's beyond our capacity for understanding and that there's maybe just to leave your mind open to the possibility that that uh you know viruses are part of that intelligence and that there might be mm-hmm. something in that that could be beneficial for us to receive these things, whether they be genetic upgrades or whatever they are. That doesn't really touch on the whole idea of gain of function and what humans might be doing to manipulate <laughs> these things. But just on a basic level of like, whether it be viruses or bacteria or, you know, even we're realizing this in, in within soil and farming, it's like the the terrain idea that uh, you know a weed quote unquote or an invasive plant that you don't want to be growing in a particular area it's not there to piss you off or to harm something or because Mm -hmm. it's just some out of control pathogen it's there to help heal that land the conditions of that soil have you know inspired it to to grow and usually these things have a purpose whether it's like uh, a deep tap root that helps loosen up the soil or to pull in certain mm-hmm. minerals. Or, you know what I mean? It's like, totally. it's such a flips the whole narrative on its head. Like of these weeds mm-hmm. are bad. We need to kill them to, Oh shit. These are actually here because of a certain environmental thing with the soil or whatever, something that's mm-hmm. missing or something that's whatever. And these are there to actually mm-hmm. 
bring healing and restoration, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree. And I would even go beyond to say they're there for a reason, whether it be that the landscape needs them to regenerate and grow and keep life going or the humans need them. I mean, I hate to look at some, yeah. such a human centric kind of view, but like look at certain things that grow on the edge of these fields where, you know, these cancerous pesticides are being sprayed. Right. And things like parslane full, like nettle, Mm. Um, these things are essentially what's going to cure the, the cancer that's being sprayed yeah. just on the e on the other edge, right? And yeah. it's just like uh, to speak to, again to the the intuitive aspect, or or really what you said was the beyond understanding. And I think that's the piece that bothers so many within Western industrialized countries where science, um, you know, has this hegemonics or the scientific process is so revered. Mm. And it's just like we need want the wanting to know. I think is so. Uh, it's it's a fool's errand because honestly there is a mystery there that it, at least at this very point in time i mean science has done a great job at figuring out like the what and the how like how how is how is this made or or, or sorry that the what and the when the how so much maybe a bit but like why it's made or you know who made it right these questions can't be answered and we're starting to like i feel like with advances in science we're starting to get to the almost uh, the metaphysical aspect of like, why is this here? Right. Mm. We've gone far enough with, I think what we can reduce things down to, to spray on our crops, to kill it. We have to start zooming out and using this lens that sees this all as one big organism, that there is a purpose for these plants that are growing on the sides of these fields. And um, yeah, it's just an exciting time or I say exciting, but it's probably why we're talking about this first, because I had to just, you had mentioned it and I thought like, let's, let's go there because uh yeah, when thinking about nature connection, as I do for school, it's very, again, kind of scientific. How are we going to use nature for human health and benefit? And I'd say, you know, it's it starts at that reciprocal relationship, right? And I think that's why I like the concept of rewilding and just nature connection in general, because it's going to tie our psychology um, and our, our everything to the cycles of nature, rather than just trying to figure it out so we can use it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, you know... It, uh, there's probably plenty of people that would really take issue with the term exciting for this time. <laughs> and uh, no, yeah, I but, but I, I, no, I, I agree with you though. I mean, an excitement doesn't necessarily mean that it's always positive either. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's exciting yeah. people's nervous systems for sure. And yeah, well said, I think, you know, it is exciting in a lot of ways. Like there it's shifting to a new paradigm. You can feel it bubbling under the surface and there's a, but you know there's a bunch of sprouts coming out but there's also a lot of you know a lot of chaos that's going to ensue and continue to ensue and a lot of you know destruction of old ideas and old false yeah. sense of self so yeah, it's, it just feels like you know it's a combination of of some grief and a lot of destruction while there's also a lot of birth and you know fertility yeah. as well yeah, I don't want to underscore because I think you did a good job and I, I was nodding my head as you were saying it, but just for the listener too is like, yeah, I don't want to be insensitive to anybody who's gone through significant loss, but but that's just it. Having gone through loss myself and feeling this feeling very similar, like this void of like, oh, I can't go to the store. Like that's how I felt for two years when I was in the woods. So it was just the fact that I came out when I did with my medicine ready to help folks, which is what we're yeah. talking about. It's kind of interesting that the whole world got kicked you know, right into the same direction that I was. And so I have to remember, right, despite saying this is exciting, because I know what can come. Um, but I also know the fe what fear can do to you. And I know what fear did to me while I was in yeah. the woods. Like There was a solid year where I was 
a complete depressed mess. Like, and I, right. And I, sitting in a tree stand with a crossbow and just like, not even, not even looking at the deer around, just like literally just soaking in the energy from nature. It was keeping me alive. And so, I mean, right now I think we have this opportunity and a lot of people have found solace in nature throughout this. And that's kind of what I wanted to say is that I don't want to, you know, again, downplay anybody's hardship. Um, but I see this or philosophize too much during a time where we need to kind of still figure some shit out. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this conversation, I hope it sparks the realization that right now, if we are, if you are shut down, if you're out of work or what have you, you have more time. Our society has always continually got faster, 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 and faster. Right now there is time to actually recreate your life. It doesn't have to be these grand philosophical, we don't have to all read into viruses, right? Like right. you and I probably have in this last little bit, but we can just start taking a walk in nature, right? So I don't want to get too abstract and make it seem like, yeah, especially if you're, you're feeling ill or you're feeling sick, like getting outdoors and breathing in the air right now during the spring, it's so important for our immune system and like, um, just like biodiversity, getting into a forest right now and breathing in the scent is, is literally the, the antidote as far as I'm concerned. Again, not to use it as a, no. a medicalized nature, but that it really is the, the antidote. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's a good, um, well, first I just want to preface this by saying like, you know, I really resonate with what you're saying about how you kind of went through this initiation right before it seems like it, the similar sort of echo of that was kicked off in the collective. I feel very similar. Like my, I didn't maybe get quite as deep of an initiation into actually being, you know, not forced, but put into nature so deeply for, you know, two years straight. But, um, mm -hmm. but I did have this sort of really intense reckoning with my own like striving and you know just burnout through pursuing like materialistic uh mm -hmm. goals and interests which I, i'm not down i'm not talking against that because i think that's all that's part of the journey and i honor you know the, the yeah. search to find yourself and to be your best self and to to work for you know success and all of that it's 100 percent fine but i did have mm -hmm. a big time burnout and this extreme vulnerability like crash into this uh you know discovering my inner child and really feeling this intense disconnection with the natural world around me in this sense that like i don't know a single plant that i can eat i don't know how to mm -hmm. you know hunt i don't know anything and i'm you know so so disconnected living in a city like and so uh went on that journey for a couple of years before um covid kicked off and i feel like there is something to be said for people who have really kind of went through that deep breakdown and mm. and getting real intimate with their own fears and their own vulnerabilities um and getting a desire to want to reconnect with nature that seems mm. to be a theme amongst people who kind of mm. have a little bit of a different take on the whole covid experience um, and I'm just right. wondering if you agree with that, like as far as, you know, a lot of what seems to drive a lot of the uh, mm -hmm. fear of viruses is this underlying fear of nature and uh, like sort of unconscious vulnerability that, you know, people haven't come to terms with, I guess. Yeah, exactly. They No, they haven't. And nor did I at the time either right mm -hmm. it was it, i had those insecurities and walls up that i wasn't able to obviously i had a relationship that fell apart so i i had 50 percent in that so um there was a part that i had to you know work on in myself but i i asked for that right just like you probably did without mm -hmm. consciously yeah. maybe asking 100%. for it we asked for it right 
it's again like when there's a tsunami birds and animals are going to hear that coming and they're going to head to the high ground right mm-hmm. essentially diff- we all have strengths and weaknesses some people are kind of tapped in whether they realize it or not that whole opportunity was for you and for me an opportunity to kind of get grounded before the storm really hit mm. so right now it is people are uncomfortable with it because it's the nature of the beast however we all ask for it i, I would believe in the west at least when i look at friends and peers my age uh men like look at i'm again coming from a, a kombucha company like downtown inner city hipster central right in, in london ontario where i'm from it's uh you know you get the lumber sexual like hmm. folks everywhere beards and and, and yeah checkered checkered plaid shirts but never really swinging an axe into a tree right so we all ask we all ask for it It, this like uh me you know coming officially middle-aged adult now um it's on our watch right so this is this is our great war um and this is what this is what it looks like right and and it is that reconnection with self (laughs) because if we can reconnect with ourself and our true nature we don't buy in the BS that's on yep. the mainstream news right now, right? It's just like it loses its force. Like, and that's why I make jokes. I mean, I have two, I have two younger brothers. And we make jokes, and some friends make jokes about the baby boomers and everyone else right now because we are raised from. I am raised from baby boomers, and they were saved, air quotes again, saved by vaccines with say polio, mm-hmm. for polio, and things like that, right? So they're told. So I, I was vaccinated, right? measles mumps rebelled the whole thing still got measles but that's a whole nother story <laughs> but um right so like that's that's i love having that in my back pocket when I maybe that's why it, maybe that's why you got the extra special spark you actually got that measles <laughs> yeah right, upgrade. right, exactly, right. <laughs> measles up yeah exactly right so i don't know but at the same time like i i get that folks are raised you know by our parents and so naturally we're going to resort to safety with you know our kids and stuff like that my yep. brothers i mean having nephews and stuff like that now i understand it and but that said it is that time where we start asking questions and guys like me and you are you know doing podcasts and things and talking to our peers and there is a ripple effect and everyone's listening very few people are hitting the like button um, yeah. you know, or, or what have you sometimes with some of this stuff, with what we're talking about right now. But again, that's because we're tying our identity, who we are into these ideas that form this civilization or this, you know, I hate, I hate this bag on Western culture so much, but the society that we're a part of, um, you know, we, we wanted change. We saw the need for change. And so here's change at our doorstep. However, it's going to feel uncomfortable until we step into what we want to see going forward right so yeah, yeah nature 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 again one up for nature <laughs> i love the way you said that i love the way you uh you know referenced the whole uh a lumberjack vibe i can't remember what the actual term for that is what is it again it's me- metrosexual yeah metro or no sorry lumber sexual okay is okay yeah lumber sexual. yeah sorry. it came from that yes yeah yeah i as like sort of an unconscious, you know, like a bubbling up of this desire to return to nature. And it's not about even being quote unquote, like manly or whatever. It's just like about being, you know, I mean, maybe there's obviously masculine aspects yeah, to certain right. yeah, yeah. things, but, uh, but that's a whole nother <laughs> rabbit hole. But, um, but yeah, it's like just that feeling of like, actually, you know, being able to go out and say like, oh yeah, I need a fire. Let's cut some wood. Yeah. I need a, some food. Let's hunt an animal. Like just basic human activities, you know? So I, I have the tendency to, to use the masculine when I speak because I have this keen uh, sense of uh, naturally being dr- 
drawn to other men that have taught me and then and then vice versa i've taught a lot of men yep. um in my practice and whatnot but specifically this like look at the boho uh bohemian again the rewilding hashtag rewilding right now mm-hmm. you're gonna see a lot of women uh again making different necklaces and beads and yeah. you know arts and crafts so they're always they're masculine feminine yes aside everyone yes um has definitely had this return to wanting to slow down essentially i think yeah and Again, here, here's the opportunity, right? It still feels uncomfortable for me. Like, I remember when this all started, I was looking for land at that time, purchasing land and that. And it was like three, four weeks into coronavirus, so April oh, wow. like last year. Yeah. And um, cruising the highways. And that was like, that was actually when sh- shit was locked down. Like, it was zombie apocalypse. No one yeah. on the 400 highways. And so anyways, driving up north and obviously at that time, still being safe with things just because I'm, you know, again, fearful at the time. So yeah. It, it was all kosher, mm-hmm. but anyways, where was I? Uh, where was I going with this? Um, driving up north, I totally forget where I was. I think going that with this. Um, you were kind of saying, you know, this stuff is still uncomfortable for you too, as far as maybe, you know, your journey to reconnect and stuff. Yeah, no, and I should say that because that. Thank you, and I always get sidetracked with those caveats. I feel like you have to put on this conversation. Yeah. But essentially I stopped and got some warm cookies at a gas station <laughs> because I thought to myself, this is the last fucking time I'm ever going to get warm cookies again. <laughs> Cause I it really, it really felt like, and the end times there. And so there's this wrestling where it's like, I grew up when I passed a grade in, in school, I'd get taken to McDonald's by my grandma. Right. And those types of like threads with our culture, they're hard to let go of. Like they yeah. really, they really, really truly are. So I don't want to like, you know, come down on anybody for being a part of this culture that we all seem to want yep. better. We all want it to be better. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that because, you know, I have, you know, my girlfriend has a now 13 year old son and, um, you know, in a lot of ways, he's really connected to like modern culture modern western culture and the comforts that come along with that you know uh Mm -hmm. movies and tv shows video games you know bags of chips you know just like and you know there's this part of me that really like uh despises that but then it's like when i sit with myself i realize you know like i have a lot of fear about really not having some of those comforts or if i'm in the woods long enough i'll feel that sense of like i want to go home i want to watch a movie i want to do this you know like and so the same with covid like there were times where i really did allow that uh fear in or like i really felt Mm -hmm. that deep fear of the idea that something could infect me and kill me um and so, like, I, as much as I have, I think, really different views than a lot of people around COVID and vaccines and all of these different things, like, I just try to um, remember that this stuff is still a part of my shadow or it's just a part of mm-hmm. me in general that I'm working on. And so, like, I want to invite anybody who has, you know, is confused or maybe finds themselves somewhere in the middle to, like, know mm-hmm. that I get it. You know, I'm not trying right. to, like, demonize people or put down people that are afraid or, you know, are whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. you know, in some ways I hate all the caveats that we say about, like, oh, this isn't to, you know, downplay anybody who's had somebody die or whatever. It's like, of course, you know, we care yeah, about right. we care about people and we have compassion. But, True. you know, I think it's a good time to maybe, like, um, go a little deeper on 
rewilding itself. Like I got, yeah. he, like my girlfriend's got a dog and I love the dog and he kind of went from eating dog food and being like an inside dog to, uh, I sort of inspired this transition to like, he eats raw meat and he goes to the dog, like an off leash dog park and goes in the woods and one of the first things he always does when he goes outside is rolls around in the dirt and the leaves, finds right. something that stinks and rolls in that. And I always tell my girlfriend, like, he's rewilding, you know? And so, like, I just would love to hear more about what, like, what, what rewilding is to you and why that specifically sort of, like, resonated with you and you ch chose to sort of uh, yeah. dive into that. Yeah, honestly, it was... Um kind of the culmination of where I was at with my education and experience around being a health coach. Honestly, it was everything always came back to nature. I mean, I helped a lot of people out uh, with certain, you know, from fibromyalgia to HIV to, you know, auto, different autoimmune disorders through fitness and exercise and diet before, right? And it was all, all natural, holistic living, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, for me, with the culmination of, I think, experiencing actual deep nature connection, so those experiences of living, you know, getting right back to like making bow drill fires and hunting, and gutting a, an animal and all, all those things that I questioned whether or not I could do, right? Like you, I like just going to the grocery store. And, you know, I don't, I don't actually, I, I'd rather go to the farmer's market and things like that, but yeah. it's still, it's again, it's, it's a, it's a scale. So to me, rewilding is nature connection. It's a nature connection in practice, essentially. And that nature connection is that, you know, uh, sense of oneness that we have with the natural world around us. So um, it's essentially that just trying to, for me anyways, it's trying to align my life with the cycles of the living earth, right? With local ecologies. And by doing that, we're kind of undoing domestication of civilization that's accumulated over the course of time. Um, because again, we naturally want to gravitate towards some of these technologies and comforts and things that are, that make us human. Honestly, our tools make us human. So we always have to wrestle with it. It's, it's not odd, but we're at an interesting place with this wrestling match for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really do see it as a, as a way of kind of returning to a more self-willed state. Um, it gives you a look at the word like rewild, you're returning mm. right to the wild, which is the willed. Um, and that's where I believe that's where it gets interesting because rewilding has many facets, but I mean, the whole nature rewilding, which is even in the Oxford dictionary as like, you know, the, the regeneration of wild places and whatnot mm. but the uh, the other side is the human rewilding which is i think kind of what we're we're talking about here is civilization rewilding individual biological rewilding um biography rewilding right like that's that's just it we can rewild many aspects of our life and i think that's just it it's, it's a returning to a self-willed state i think that's one of the one of the definitions that i've come across that i i like the most um and you know there's again different aspects where there's, a, there's kind of the mindful rewilding um, so, I mean, it, there is a spectrum, it varies for everybody. I like the way you asked the question, what's it like for you? Because again, it's going to be different to everybody. If you're inner city, Toronto, New York individual, like it could very well be central park or that tree that you pass by yeah. on the way to the office or what have you. Right. Um, I wouldn't judge you know, to your point too. It's like, it's not, it's not about how awesome your bow drill fire is. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's about reconnecting and developing a relationship with, the living earth and through that um we self-discover right we are we are part of nature the, the idea of nature connection as i study it within you know my phd and stuff it's kind of like it's weird because we are nature how can we be disconnected <laughs> yeah. how can we how are we not connected from it right and, yeah. and that's part of the, that's part of the problem with studying it and that's the cool part it's the beyond understanding piece the, mm -hmm. the mystery of nature and 
amen for, you know, having mystery in life and giving opportunity to subjective uh, experiences and like citizen scientists, naturalists who are out there who sit under trees long and like, what is it like for them? Like, sure, it's neat to hook wires up to their brains and see what they're like yeah. and realize they're just like Buddhist monks and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just like, just, you know, we got to get out there and do it no matter where you are right now. Um, and when we start to do that, we start to get information. We start to connect yep. the physical with the spiritual and then the magic happens and we bring back our medicine or however you want to say it, your gift. Yeah. Right? That like scientific, you know, Western analytical minded interpretation of data of these natural things, I do think is important to reach certain people that are on a certain part of their journey. And I want to touch more on that stuff. But just to kind of comment a little bit on what you're saying is, um, you know, in some ways it feels like this, uh, I mean, you can look at things from multiple viewpoints. So like on the most zoomed out viewpoint, it's like even what we're doing now is natural and we're not technically disconnected from nature. Like what all of this stuff, computers, laptops, you know, these box mm -hmm. houses, like that's all natural. Uh, I mean, right. it's part of the, our natural evolution. But, right. you know, you zoom in a little bit further and there is obviously all this sickness and, uh, you know, um, just disharmony of our state in terms of us with our ecosystems around us. So, right. it, and it really feels like, a, for me personally, on my journey, it's felt like a little thread where maybe it just starts with a little curiosity or even a feeling of just anxiety about like, like I said, mm. like, what if the civilization collapses? I don't know how to feed myself. Like, mm. I don't, not even the civilization collapses. I mean, a minor, in in the grand scheme of things, COVID's a pretty minor thing. And it disrupted some shopping. Like, you had to stand in line at the grocery store, all these different things. So, it's not going to take much to disrupt our food system our, and supply chains and all these different things. So, right. there's a bit of a prepper feeling too that maybe inspires people to want to reconnect and it just feels like you know whatever the reason you start getting interested is it's like you start pulling this little thread and you realize like oh that plant i just learned about all of a sudden i'm seeing it everywhere like even in the city it's right on the sidewalk or you know that tree that i found out about it's like oh now this tree is everywhere or i'm scanning the birches in the along the freeway to see if I see any chaga or just like, you know, always looking all, yeah. <laughs> and you just, it just goes deeper and deeper. And it's like, you know, so, uh, fulfilling. Oh yeah. You know, well, those are, those are relationships. Think of how we're all been stuck indoors and you can't see the people you normally get to see. You're literally walking like five minutes down a sidewalk and you're saying hello to all these different <laughs> plant species, essentially. Cause that's just it. It's the connection that we need connection as human beings, but, whether it's to other human beings or other beings and animals, it, it, it's all the same. We're certain science is showing that it's benefiting our health and well-being all the same. So what you're doing is essentially like getting to communicate with others, people, beings, uh, where other right now where others can't. Right. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, you, you know, you have maple syrup in your coffee or something or you have it on your pancakes for years and you never think much about it. And then you start to learn about the different varieties of maple trees and how the you know, the tapping process works. And, oh, you can actually tap birch trees, too, and box elder trees, and they have different varieties of, like, flavors of syrup and all of these things. And it's like, 
it just turns into a totally different thing when you see a maple tree like you want to see it have success and you want you don't want to see it cut down or yeah it just changes the way you think about like development and uh the way mm -hmm. we interface with the ecosystems but um most definitely i'd love that's to an, go ahead that's an important part i think is that is that how we interface with the local ecosystem right and, and that's where i think we can get extreme ends of rewilding that sometimes makes people just as afraid as a you know a wilderness backpack or backcountry trip or something right and it's like this idea of like green anarchism and, and no nation states which um, and, you know, totally place-based economies relying, like, you know, you said coffee, maple syrup and coffee. I mean, you look at where we are, we can make one of them. We can't make yeah. the other one, right? Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, there's, again, the paradox, but like, um, which, again, it pushes the comfort level. So, and again, some people are for that. I really enjoy, like, having that economics and political science background. I really enjoy conversations around how could we rewild our economy, right? Mm, and I think cool. right now is a, is a perfect time to do to you know to have those types of conversations obviously it's a little far out um but we don't like you said like you said and i would agree i don't want to after about five six days without a shower i'm ready for like a hot yeah. shower you know what i mean so it's like we don't want you know i i'd say some in the rewilding maybe we'd want to see a collapse of this system which i would say i definitely want to see it change but a collapse and a burning and see what kind of sprouts from these ashes yeah mm. it'd be a tough one to like bow drill and like bow drill fire your way through that one right like and hunt enough deer or whatever you got yeah. to actually get calories so um yeah there's a happy medium and i think it's uh it's a cool time to have that conversation as to the spectrum i yeah. think even the people who think they want that probably would encounter plenty of you know inner challenges if that they were actually faced with that and i yeah. i believe that you know we probably do need to go super deep as far as our our exploration of the rewilding end of things, like push yeah. it to the max so that we can bring a full harmony. Because I, I really mm -hmm. love the idea of like, we're heading towards like an ancient future type of situation mm -hmm. where it's like, we have all these technologies and we can find a way to harmonize them with ancient wisdom and ancient types, ways of living. Mm -hmm. You know, like earth ships are a great example of something that's like, kind of you know involves some modern technologies maybe but also done in a way that's really in harmony with nature but um i'd love For to sure. uh before we get too deep in all that and i put a <laughs> pin in the rewild the economy because i've never heard of that and it just it's interesting mm -hmm. so i'd like to just get a little bit of your uh insight on that but um could you break down, I mean, this is maybe a really vague question, but like what are some of the scientific aspects of rewilding and just reconnection with nature? You know, I've, I've heard you mention <laughs> nature deficit disorder and sort right. of extinction of experience. Like maybe just riff on, you know, I don't know if you have a spiel or what, but that sort of stuff as far as like what does science tell us about all of this stuff? Hello, friends. If you would like to support this podcast, Wake Aware Alive, head over to jacobgossel.com. That's G-O-S-S-E-L. Uh, scroll to the bottom of the page and you can find a handful of ways to support the show. Uh, the first one is Patreon. You can click on the Patreon button and you can become a patron of this podcast. For a small monthly fee, as little as one buck, you can help support the show and you'll get some exclusive content and interaction with me. Um, another way to support the show is the PayPal Venmo 
buttons or the cryptocurrency keys. You can use any of these to send a one-time donation to Awake Aware Alive, and this really helps keep the show going. Um, lastly, you can share this episode with a friend, and you can leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app or uh, any app that allows ratings or reviews. This is a small thing, but it's really meaningful to me, and it makes a big difference. Lastly, I just want to thank you for listening to this show, because uh, that in and of itself is a huge support. So I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Well, I mean, that's just it. I would say as far as rewilding and science goes, there isn't anything human rewilding, that is. Uh, mostly would be all like ecosystem rewilding. But uh, as far as nature connection goes, yeah. when you look at what is being said, it's the same thing as what, you know, the the folks online from, you know, that are, are tenants of rewilding, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so nature connection, yeah, is, is the study of our oneness with our subjective experience of oneness with the world around us, right? And it's been basically measured uh, through lots of different like correlational research showing that people who are more nature connected are happier. They have more vitality. They have more meaning in life. They've got more life satisfaction. They're, you know, better eudaimonic and hedonic well-being. So different aspects of well-being. So like your functioning well aspect is your eudaimonic. And then your hedonic is your like feeling good. like So feeling Mm. happy and free and clear of negative emotions, right? So we all know that like nature is beneficial because we can experience that. We go out into the woods and we just relax. What's really interesting about science and, you know, so nature contact is one piece and that's just being out nature, but that connection piece is really, really neat because that's where it's like, it's kind of seeing it buffering against mental illness. So that's how it's kind of showing, at least in the literature and things that I put together for this recent review that I had busted my butt working on the last little bit for my PhD. And it's kind of neat to emerge from that and and talk about it in in layman's terms, because as I see it, it, it's kind of the gauge as to which we um, it kind of moderates mental illness. So if modernity, if we're going on this spaceship Earth here and we're all getting 5G'd up and urbanized, we're, you know, 70% of the world's going to be urbanites by like 2050, I think they say. So, I mean, if that's the way we're going, cool. But I think it's just a, it'd be a good time to actually understand that we, we are still nature, right? So the way in which, like you said, we go forward, we can build, if we're going to live in cities, build them that you know in harmony with the local ecosystem right um and i and i don't want to get it like again there's a fine line to getting into this usury piece still but i would like to see it go even a little bit deeper and really understand from like an emotional spiritual um you know standpoint that we are connected with nature and that's where i think what's neat in right now within research that ecotherapy is becoming a big thing so things like forest therapy Mm. and that's where that's where my dissertation is going to be focusing on next so basically doing some forest therapy uh, a forest therapy study and getting participants and the therapists getting their qualitative assessment as to how that connects them to nature, right? And then in what ways that connection maybe leads to health and well-being. So what's really neat is that this correlational research is showing that things like spirituality, um, uh, meet, or uh, noticing nature's beauty, things like having compassion, uh, you know, obviously contact with nature, all these things increase or are pathways to increasing nature connection. And so that's really neat because if we can increase nature connection, then we can essentially have this kind of like a, you know, a sense of safety and security, knowing that we are part of nature. Mm. So we don't feel so alone, right? We have a relationship with something that provides to us. Why is this nettle here? Why is this parsley here? Oh, it's full of vitamin C and good minerals. And it actually 
taste good if I put enough butter on it or what have you. Mm. But right. So it's, but that's just it. Like the nature provides and we are part of it. So if we're able to listen to it through our connection, through a relationship, right. Um, then we're able to, again, care for it. And I think what's neat is that again, with, with science help with this is that the whole field of eco psychology realizes that if hurt people hurt the planet and then the hurt planet hurts people. So it's this whole, yeah. whole vicious cycle that starts, right? So, and that's what kind of like to your point, nature deficit disorder. I hate putting disorders on things because mm-hmm. then that's where, that's where the medicalization comes in. And again, to say we're deficit of nature is weird because we are nature, right? So, but that said, I think it's we're deficit of knowing that we're part of nature and having a relationship with nature. That's where the deficit is. And then again, that extinct, extinction of experience is just that reciprocal aspect that if we don't value it, we'll cut it down. We don't care about it, right? Yep. But if we do value it, protect it, we'll get to know it, we'll say hello to it, and we'll collect the fruit that it bears when it's ready, right? So um, that's where I see the like the merger of like you know, the rewilding into what I do on the day-to-day. And that's, yeah, again, it, it makes me excited because I feel like uh, it does speak the language of a lot of people, um, people being policymakers. And I think right now, knowing that we're part of nature, when looking at responses to say, again, COVID-19 and being locked indoors and putting masks on our face, it's just like, Whoever, like there, there are opera, opera, excuse me, operationalized uh, measurements we can give to participants in studies to see how connected to nature they are. I would guess my hypothesis is that if we gave these tests to the individuals that are making up these laws around lockdowns and, and masks, they would rate very low on the scale of nature connection. And that's a huge assumption in my bias. <laughs> and I, and I, and that's part, part big too. But honestly, it's just like at this time, we have an opportunity to we look at what our connection with nature is and how we want that to be going forward. So it's an important time to be, yeah, I think studying and, and talking about nature connection for sure. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree with that last point. I mean, um, it just, like, I, I love what you said about, um, you know, rediscovering this relationship that we have with the the natural world like really can give us this sense of just deep security um mm. you know i feel like i'm not there yet i like i you know i have been growing in that area and i i feel like i'm you know continuing on that path but um that's just something i've definitely sensed is like being out in the woods it's like I've had moments of it where it's like it feels like your home, you know, and it feels like there are things that everything you need is there. Like as far as different, uh, I mean, I've seen the things people make with grass baskets and like, you know, like um, right. there's birch bark canoes, there's buckskin clothes, there's, you know, all the different berries that nobody's ever heard of and uh, mushrooms and just like, you know it is this sort of infinite abundance around us that we can tap Mm -hmm. into and just feeling of being held and cared for by the earth. But for a deep part of me, and I think a lot of other people, it feels more like a really kind of everyone out for themselves, uh, you know, landscape where they don't know or have any relationships with the environment, with the animals, with the plants, you know, there's mosquitoes and ticks and, you know, 
coyotes or wolves or what have you like it's just a kind of a scary foreign place and it feels more like home to be inside of a box um kind of shut away from all of that and that just seems directly related to how we treat the environment as far as like not really giving development a second thought and just chopping down you know precious landscape um and for me I -hmm. never considered myself like an environmentalist person growing up like we had a cabin up north and I've always loved fishing and things but I just never really thought Mm. about it I never really thought about houses or you know like cities and what that does um that might sound stupid but I just didn't really think about it but having connections even with a couple plants like you know learning about wild leeks and certain mushrooms and now learning about trees and spending some time it's like I have some such a different feeling about, um, you know, wild spaces and how much, you know, we, we want to preserve these and, um, create more of them, you know, and like Mm -hmm. assist in, uh, being stewards of these spaces and finding ways to harmonize our, our living and our civilization within these wild spaces versus just wiping them out and separating ourselves from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really seems like COVID is sort of just the tip of the iceberg on our journey as a species in kind of like heading in that direction. Yeah. You mean heading in that direction of away from it? Essentially? Yeah. Heading in the direction yeah, yeah. of like, it's a big wake yeah. up call. And, and some yeah. people are interpreting as like, Oh, now we need to get solar panels and electric cars and yeah. green energy. And like, yeah. there's a whole like green a, a washing green... thing. Thank yeah. You. That's happening, <laughs> which it's like, it's like, you know, Charles right. Eisenstein is a great, uh, talks about this a lot as far as like, okay, so are we going to do carbon sucking machines and electric cars and, you know, smart cities and all these things. Um, it's like, even if that does solve the problems technically mm-hmm. of whatever it is, carbon emissions or resource usage or whatever, is that really what we want to do? And I, I just think that ultimately we have a deep human desire to reconnect and it's going to manifest whether it's completely unconscious or not, you know, and people are going to be forced to kind of reckon with uh, how disconnected they are. Forced, yeah, well said. Um, that right there, I just feel like that, I really like the way you put that exactly, because we have we have evolved. There is that innate knowing that we are home when we're in nature, right? Despite there being, you know, the harshness of the elements and whatnot. But we've learned, as you, as you say, like we've sheltered ourselves for, for generations, right? So we're doing good. Now we just need to work with it. And I mean, that's the, the biophilia hypothesis is just that, that we have this innate need to connect with nature, right? And um, yeah, and there's plenty of researchers, you know, the, the stress reduction theory, there's uh, attention restoration theory, all these things saying that we had this, you know, psychoevolutionary need to basically go to these unthreatening natural spaces to clear our head from the other stuff of how are we going to build a tower that protects my tribe or, or you know or, or my people right so we we do have this amazing ability to tap into these beta brain waves and build bridges and skyscrapers and or but it's it's the time to kind of go back to nature and shut that off and, and hit those alpha brain waves and those times where we're going to reconnect and get creative and then we go back and we you know we do it in harmony right and it, it's just a, sw- a swinging of the pendulum right again that's why i see it as exciting that the pendulum 
is in this kind of void black hole space, which is doesn't always feel that comfortable. But you know, I see it as coming back through. Life's all about cycles, right? Mm-hmm. That's what nature nature teaches us. So, yeah, yeah, and it feels like um, and 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 I feel this based on not only my you know intuitive capacity, but also various like, I mean, primarily a model of um of developmental psychology called spiral dynamics. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that, but um you know, basically your journey to me is like a microcosm of what we are beginning to go through on a mass scale, which is like this transition from a modern scientific industrial value system that's based on the values of like personal success, like individual mm-hmm. expression, um at all costs basically transitioning from that into a communal decentralized sort of value system which is based on like deep human connection reconnection with nature you know Mm -hmm. sustainability decentralization all these different things um and so i think people like you are a great example of like it's like a, a pathfinder you know it's like we're all in a big conga line and people like you are maybe just a little bit ahead, you know, of the curve and it's people that we can look to, to see like what's coming next and where should we be mm-hmm. heading, you know? And, um, I just think more and more people are going to be, uh, really fired up to, to get on this journey, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you could drop some, uh, you know, just for people who really might be, uh, and I'm myself included in this at times, um, really kind of convinced by data and stuff. Do you mm-hmm. off the top of your head, remember any like bits of data about like say forest bathing and what it does to mm. blood pressure or just things along those lines? So the thing about me that our listeners and yourself may have realized by now, I, I use the Eagle eyes. I fly, fly very high yeah. ahead. I'm like a, Sh- a Sherlock Holmes, if you will. I try not to, fill my head with the technical data because I do I do I do see myself more as a philosopher than a scientist despite going through this you know scientific method for school and stuff um but that's so that said I did just finish writing this paper and as far as like forest therapy goes um they actually I say they as in the Japanese uh, yep. forest therapy originating from Japan known as Shinrin Yoku or forest bathing and uh, really high tech with like, yeah, again, blood pressure, different like metrics as far as like biomarkers goes. Um, and without getting too much into it, because again, I don't have specific numbers of this tree will, yeah. I mean, but they're going, but they are going there with that type of research where it's like kind of neat to see like this tree for the uh, phytoncides in, in it or the, you know, the chemical compounds that it's releasing that we essentially put into essential oils and things like that. Um, lowering blood pressure more wow. than, more than like blood pressure medication. Right. Wow. Uh, simple, simple. What's really neat, like, again, coming, this is where I like to kind of put my technical data is, is like looking at this really simple stuff where it's like looking at the current mainstream conventional practice and then looking how natural stuff just does it better. always, <laughs> Right. And so another one is like uh, researchers out in BC, uh, Canada basically had folks just notice nearby nature. Most research on nature is sadly kind of through these synthetic pictures and simulations of nature, which I would say misses out on the sensorial aspect of nature, which again is huge and Japanese research into forest therapy would confirm that. 
But essentially, all these researchers had people do is notice nearby nature that they walk by every day and just notice good things about it. Just a simple gratitude practice, right? Wow. Um, you could even go a step further as I would, you know, recommend is like use your senses at that very time. What are you grateful for? And kind of solidify yourself there without doing the solidification piece, just noticing the good things in nature. These researchers found the same thing that this intervention increased well-being better than most positive psychology uh, interventions that are out there, right? So, and again, through drug, through drug therapies and other and other things too, like increasing mental health and well-being. So I, it's it's just starting to come out. Honestly, my review paper has twelve interventions that look at different ecotherapy and nature-based interventions, and each one of them found benefits to well-being and health. Um, obviously, no real biomarkers. One of the studies was a forest therapy study and saw, you know, slight increase or benefit to like lowering heart rate. But honestly, like, uh, yeah, tons of research as far as like lowering cortisol and all those biomarkers goes. But what's really neat is when you start to looking at this way of life and like, hey, if we just design cities in such a way where, you know, like an easy one would be like no cars. It's just like a green street where we walk. Uh, almost every, like I couldn't imagine the well-being that would come from that and the opportunity to have like social connection going for a, a a walking meeting, say, if you're working in a downtown high rise, just getting out, yeah. walking, walking meetings and things like this, like, again, really have the opportunity to kind of rethink how we want to go about designing our lives from some of this science and whether or not it happens at a policy level, because I don't expect it to, yeah. or, nor do I, nor do I want it to or encourage it. Yeah. I'm just going to take this, take this information for ourselves, right? And start to gain that appreciation and build those relationships with, with nature and just stop and pause when we are in nature. I mean, the best exercise I've ever learned from many of my teachers, and they've all kind of done it in different ways, but it's literally when you walk outside every day, pause 30 seconds, just listen. And like, don't just listen with your ears, but listen with your entire being, right? Like, what do you smell? What do you see? What do you feel? All that stuff at that time. And it's, um, it's amazing the benefits that can come so quickly. And what's neat too, is that we're slowly getting into being able to almost like figure out, despite not loving the medicalization of it all but we're actually able to kind of figure out what dose like a dose response if you will to nature so 20 minutes walking mindfully compared to 20 minutes just walking mm. with, your, with your cell phone what are the differences so a lot of these interventions that i was looking at we're doing just that like let's test a, a built environment walk in the city being mindful of the good things in the city <clears throat> which most people just notice the nature in the city yeah, <laughs> in the studies right. but then the other group like really just like seeing huge improvements in well-being and then again relating that to their level of nature connection so that's kind of the neat stuff is seeing like how our level of nature connection our trait level of it coming in how that influences how we experience nature because we don't all experience the same some people might be afraid of like that deep wilderness setting right whereas others might find that super relaxing so we're realizing there is this difference and this kind of opens up the door for researchers obviously to start teasing out you know what specific setting for how long uh, for what type of people and what level of nature connection and and how does nature connection actually translate into health and well-being and yeah a lot of these studies are showing that you know your level of nature connection that can increase through these experiences actually have a well-being like a lasting well-being benefit some for up to two months and honestly just as simple as like noticing nature for a month and then seeing like benefits two months later and people are they want to do this so they just keep doing it it's not like an exercise mm intervention where it's like now you got to go kick kick your own ass three times a week for you know an hour so it's like people really do want to do this and yeah i mean this is adding well-being and benefits to our health similar to like say higher education or higher income levels like it really is that sense of safety and security just knowing 
that we're part of nature and continually continually fostering that relationship yeah yeah i um you know what you're saying about uh, us thinking about how we're doing our spaces like our cities or whatever and you know the no car idea and stuff and uh thinking about approaching things from a policy level like that's something that's really been uh more and more just like my you know i was a big bernie sanders guy when he first came on the scene uh as far as his presidential run um it was just really inspiring to hear somebody talk about the massive corruption in the public and really kind of wake people up to something that i had been interested in for quite some time but from then until now, from, you know, Bernie Sanders' initial campaign run to how I feel now, my opinion on that sort of stuff has just evolved so much. And I feel like so much more of a anarchist or a libertarian. And I hate to use those terms because, honestly, sure. I don't even know the extent of what those terms really are because I don't really care about that stuff. But just the general sense of, like we are free human beings on a planet and it's up to us to to mm -hmm. self-organize and to come together and do things for ourselves in our communities you know with our friends and our family and our the people right around us and the more that we have some top down you know green new deal like let's change the entire globe it just seems like a recipe for disaster it hasn't helped us up until this point and it seems no, like it's only no. going to make things worse and it's usually based on things that are beneficial for corporations and massive conglomerations of of people that want to make money versus like i just had a guy on recently jim gale who's like a food forest consult guy he's a permaculture dude and uh that ties right in with this stuff in terms of like when you're walking around a city or a suburban area or even a small town a rural place um, in a rural place, you might see more forestry and, and things or more forest areas rather, but, um, still people have these big empty grass yards, you know, um, mm -hmm. and the idea that we could be growing perennial herbs and foods in our yards, um, and have these abundant food forests right in front of our houses and the difference yeah. that that would make in not only our, you know, our connection with nature as we walk around and enjoy all the birds and pollinators and flowers and different things that we would mm -hmm. see, but also this sense of security from everybody having food around and, you know, being mm -hmm. able to go to your neighbor for some fruit if your tree didn't do well or if the store was closed or whatever, you know, like, right. uh, you know, I just, I just feel like, um, I'm just really craving both for myself and to see around me this really community-based and very localized reconnection um, mm -hmm. and change in like, you know, why we don't, why are we always doing grass yards, box houses, you know, like right, connecting yeah. to a big centralized electricity grid, like all of these things were just like these ancient, not ancient, but, you know, like these structures that we've just sort of been grandfathered into that just don't really make sense anymore, but we just keep doing it. And uh, I'm really excited about the possibility that we can just start changing that on a ground level, you know. On a ground level, yeah. You asked for it. That's just it. And, and what's what, what you seek seeks you, right? So yeah. I 
just yeah, I mean, and you gave me that nice compliment earlier, and I could extend it right back to you because you're you're creating, you know, taking your time and creating this podcast, getting amazing guests and things, and creating ripples, huge ripples, right? And um, these are being felt like everything in nature is a wave motion, right? So like the, the way sound travels, think of water ripples, right? So yeah. um, one big splash, and I mean, we've had a pretty big splash here in the last little bit, in multiple splashes, where people are starting to kind of get ruffled by the waves, right? And that's where we all realize we have to take care of ourselves. And there might not be enough life jackets to go around. And will the government throw me one, mm. right? We're realizing we're realizing that we want to, you know, people all over are realizing we want to be able to learn how to swim ourselves, right? And and that's just it. So it's it's that return to the self-willed state. And you asked for it. If you, you asked for it before and I've asked for it before. So I'm, yeah. if, if, we're, if we're any good at the, this co-creation stuff, uh, then maybe, maybe it just will come. Like, I don't know. Right. It's, uh, yeah. it's exciting. It's again, it's exciting. So, well, you know, I bring the, the Jim Gale was actually a guest on the high wire who, you know, for people who aren't familiar with the high wire, Dell big tree is kind of a polarizing figure. Um, and you know, the content on the high wire can be a bit dramatic. Uh, you know, the, sometimes the rhetoric is a little bit, uh, what do I want to say? Polarizing or sensationalized. Yeah. Sensationalized like, a bit yeah. and very yeah. biased. Obviously that being said, as far mm -hmm. as places to get, you know, information that goes against the, the medicalized, the mainstream medical narrative and vac and vaccine narrative and all of this, like it's an amazing place for, for information yeah. and it's all cited stuff and you can get Thank you. their research for everything. So you can, throw any you know opinion out of the window from dell you don't need to listen to his opinions but you can take their research and you can look at it for yourself and you can form your own opinion and that's what i think oh. we desperately need is people that can yeah. think critically and look at data and make up literacy. their own mind you know i agree it's it's the literacy the health science literacy is why i've kind of got into what i've always done i want to help people understand this stuff because i never understood it when I was a personal trainer and I started looking into nutritional science and then I realized it's all apples and oranges like literally like you're comparing might be a study of apples but it's like apples and oranges so we, how can we actually come to know anything about a lot of stuff within science so you start to gain humility and, and realize scientists and PhDs they don't know everything they just know the limits on knowledge what you can and can't say kind yeah. of and again kind of right so I think it's important that um yeah we we all kind of have this uh more health science literacy, I guess. Is, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. you know why I brought up, uh, Jim Gale being on Dell's podcast, uh, Dell's show in the first place is that, you know, Dell big tree, uh, he, you know, and, and not just him specifically, but these movements of people that are sort of like exposing corruption and like tell, you know, focusing on the problems to some extent which i'm not demonizing that either because that's a, mm -hmm. an important thing there are people that need to know about the problems that don't know yet so we need people like dell and other people that are exposing corruption and 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 you know suppressed information and all of this stuff um mm -hmm. but what i was going to say is you know just dell having this food forest guy on was an indication to me that like even the people who have spent most of their time kind of like focusing on the the quote unquote enemy or the problem are starting mm. to look for a solution and they're getting inspired yeah. in a new way and they're sharing this type of information that's like uh 
you know, can be so inspiring and, and revolutionary. And so mm-hmm. that to me is just an example of how, like, I do think people are really, there's going to be plenty more quote unquote conspiracy theory stuff going around. Mm-hmm. There's going to be also, because people need to look at the shadow and, and wake up yeah. to the darkness before they start to search for these yeah. solutions. But ultimately I think mm-hmm. what's going to be our salvation is, uh, the solution based thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I see that popping up more and more where, you know, it's like the Buckminster Fuller quote. And I feel like I've say this on every single episode, but it, and I can't even remember exactly what it is, but it's basically along the lines of like, you know, you don't solve a problem by fighting against it. You solve it by like creating a a new solution that makes the old paradigm obsolete or whatever. And I completely butchered that, but you, you understand the, right. Yeah. The idea, um, I, there's not, it, not really a question there, but no, that's I was gonna say. Yeah, I got I got something there because it is about looking forward now, and that's what rewilding teaches us. Look right now within your local environment. It's not about um, you know what's what's present is what to use. You know what I mean? Like if I got garlic mustard everywhere, it's an air quotes invasive species, right? right? The deer don't eat it, um, you know, but it tastes great this time of year if I get out there and, and forage it, right? So it's it's what's available to us and i think um yeah no I, I really do think we have to just take a collection of kind of what resources we have currently in our own life and again it's to me i think the idea of rewilding and awakening in nature is such an important one because through nature we gain that sense of purpose and we can know what it is we're here to do and i think the more we get quiet and sit in nature we can actually start to take account of what we have right now in this time and then go forward so i mean it's a it's really it's something practical that despite being somewhat abstract and eagle-eyed here throughout our conversation, I think there's something really like tangible folks can do is just get quiet in nature as often as you can, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, and honestly just sit quiet and ask questions and, and you'll get answers. What you, like we're talking about, what we're asking for, we got. So it's just like, what's next for me or, or you know, how, can I, how can I gain a deeper relationship with you, Mother Earth, asking those questions? Answers will come and you'll start to live your life in a different way because you'll have these synchronistic synchronistic experiences where you won't be able to deny it. It's a culmination of, you know, it's that gut feeling. My kombucha company, it's got started because I had this gut feeling that it was going to be a good idea. Um, and our tagline was follow your gut, right? So this is merger of head and heart, gut, wherever it comes from in you, get quiet enough, know your body well enough, and you'll start to see, geez, I know which way to go. Just like a bird knows where to go when the tsunami's coming, right? So yeah. Take, take account of what we have and look forward. I like that for sure. That's great. Um, you know, I, there's a, I think this is something you might have something to say about. There's a, a trend of like biohacking things that are great, I think, for people to do. But um, when it comes down to it, a lot of them end up, coming down to like uh get outside you know what i mean like uh yeah, right. see the sunrise or see the sunset or uh cold therapy hot therapy you know uh grounding Sons. all these yeah. different things um do you see that like is it you know does does the biohacking sort of thing ultimately just lead you to rewilding essentially like it is that sort of the natural evolution almost that's that's a cool question and it's, and it's fun too because I would say that it it always seems to. 
it's it the biohacking thing you know essentially is as me when i was a personal trainer it was shit me and my personal training buddies used to do that people were like what the fuck are you doing like yeah. why are you sticking that or doing that or whatever right and that was part of that kind of fitness boom and, and being younger i think has a lot to meet with my interest during that right trying to impress girls or, or be more be be a stronger small little guy like i like i always have been right so I think it always leads to that. I think we're seeing that when you look at like the kind of culture of biohacking and what it's evolving into now. Um, people like Paul Check, one of my mentors, uh, you know, who I've studied with and that, you're seeing the kind of impact the holistic mindset, holistic lifestyle is having, I think, right now. And again, it, it's kind of in, in, in tandem with like the psychedelic revolution in tandem with our call to get back to nature, our fitness and health. Um, again, yeah, it's, it's kind of coming out of the biohacking, get things faster. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be something that's always there, but it kind of takes on that more of a quick fix mentality. Whereas uh, when we're getting in connection with nature, we're not in control. We don't know how long it's going to take, but we, we know, and we believe, and we see from benefit, obviously of using nature, uh, we see it benefit our life. So I think it, it is kind of a leap of faith. As a, someone who's been a personal trainer, I've always wrestled with this too. Like, you know, do I do I prescribe a supplement or what have you, or do I just say, um, let's just get out in nature and, and relax, right? So, I think um, I think it's evolving, the, the, the biohacking. Yeah, and, and again, to your point of seeing all like I like to call it wild hacks. So, despite mm -hmm. wanting to get outside and use nature the best I can, it's like it's not always the case for me, especially during this time of writing this PhD. It's like twelve hours, yeah, sit stand desk, kind of rocking that thing, but like. Yeah, things like infrared lights or going and hitting a sauna because I didn't have time to, to make a fire at the end of the night to get some infrared therapy. Um, I think I think it's great. You know, I, I really do. I, I realize it's not it's not the it's not a cure all, but it makes me feel good because yeah, sometimes I have to put a roof over my head in the ways that I do. So yeah. have I totally rewilded my you know as, that aspect of my economy? Uh, no, but I'm working towards it through this you know through things like the educational center that I want to create one day and things like that. So right now it's, I would never, uh, you know, judge anybody for the way in which they make money. If you love nature, but you have to work for Walmart, you're probably making, I hope that you're creating peace and harmony with that somewhere in your life. Right. Like, and, and it's for everybody to do on their, on their own. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought about, I guess, kind of tangent there but yeah from the wild from the biohacking into the wild hacking i think everybody could uh, benefit from a little bit of technology that mimics nature and at the same time yeah use nature. well that's a holistic approach right i mean it's using all the tools available when yeah the, when a certain one is needed or um you know and so and a lot of that like something that i've feel like i've realized over the past few years is um a lot about what makes something work whether it's biohacking or wild hacking, you know, a supplement or a sauna or even a medication, a vaccine, a lot of what yeah. makes it work is your belief in it um, and your level of consciousness, your value system that you're coming from. Yeah. So if you really believe in scientific data and you're really convinced by a study that said this supplement is what's best for you and it's kind of hits the natural button because it's a supplement but it also hits the you know medicalized scientific button because it's a, mm -hmm. in a pill form and it's this it's like 
and you're convinced by it, like then it's probably going to be good for you and it's going to help you. And it might be because of the supplement, but it also might be because you believe that something is helping you and you can call that mm -hmm. placebo effect or whatever you want. But I feel like as we grow, we get into these sort of like liminal spaces where we don't quite believe in the supplement thing anymore fully, but we also don't quite believe or aren't comfortable yet with the the rewilding philosophy. Yeah. So we're kind of in this weird spot where we're trying new things and some of our old things don't work. And, and yeah. it's just, I think we're kind of in that on a global scale between like mainstream Western medical paradigm and sort of a new holistic paradigm where, yeah. you know, we don't know what to believe anymore about science and about studies and about vaccines and different, you know. And so we're kind of all in this space where it's like nobody knows what to believe anymore. Some people are, you know, doubling down on the vaccine thing. Some people are going in this whole new territory. And, um, yeah, it just feels like a really interesting time. And I really respect, like, what you're doing and... Um, you know, Thank I don't, you. I don't want to keep you a whole lot longer because, you know, we don't have infinite time here, but, um, you've been really outspoken about, uh, vaccines, well, I, I, I should say specifically the new, you know, COVID-19 vaccines. I don't know what your thought yeah. is on all vaccines, but I can kind of right. guess that we have a similar philosophy here. I haven't done like some official like podcast about vaccines. I did an older one that was more like around the philosophy of vaccination in general mm -hmm. and why it's such mm -hmm. like a polarizing topic to discuss. And it hasn't gotten any less polarizing since then. It's gotten it's, it's <laughs> extremely polarizing. So I really respect your courage yeah. to like put opinions mm -hmm. out there or not even some of them aren't even opinions. It's just like yeah. putting out information that's contrary to, right. you know, the, yeah. the narrative. And so I'm just wondering, I don't know how you want to approach this as far as like, I'm not necessarily looking for a bunch of data, but like, you know, what, what is your philosophy around the concept of vaccinations and, you know, why do you choose to question the mainstream narrative, I guess, or what inspires you to like, put a, an opposing message out there and like for people who maybe are not, you know, it's tough because if someone hears this, that already got the vaccine, there's a cognitive mm. dissonance to exposing yourself yeah. to information that might make you feel like, shit, I made a terrible mistake. So it's like, how yeah. do you reach the people who maybe are mm. on the well, fence or more convinced that it's a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, no, I do have a, just that a philosophy. I'm not a virologist. I don't, I, I don't fill my head with technical data yep. um, for a reason because it doesn't want to stick in there for me. So I, I'm, it's not my area of science to understand. But but I do have access to scientific literature, and I'm happy to when people like Del Bigtree or the weirdest air quote conspiracy theorist shares a citation, I will go check it out and I store it in a safe haven so that yeah. if, if if anybody ever comes looking for me, I know where to hide it. No, <laughs> but that's just it. I, I I where where I get why I question is because I've seen studies from journals be recalled because of money for a very long time uh, to call that conspiratorial. It is just, it's nonsense. You're not looking at what's happening. You're not looking at the way in which business and politics and economics works. Uh, and not to say cap, not to blame capitalism, but people, individuals with poor morals and values uh, that are, have a lot of power uh, happens to be what's what we're currently dealing with. Uh, again, I'm not saying that we're 
run by evil satanic who, whatever i'm just yep. saying that people make choices that benefit them and sometimes hurt others right so um i guess what would your i want to get to your specific question again but i've kind of ranted on on that piece but i do just that just that it's just a philosophy um i wouldn't like i've and again i've done plenty of weird biohacks and testing on myself so i'm not going to say to someone who's got it oh no now you're gonna grow three eyes or something like sure and again i'm not I, i'm i don't want to like belittle or, or downplay this whole thing but i do look at the stats and the science here specifically how many how many people will die from this specific virus because i won't speak to all viruses because we'd be here forever but i'll speak towards the coronavirus and what the death rate is for this virus and the the likelihood of uh you know what this vaccine will do for you how you know m makes you not sick 92 percent um effective at making you not sick from a virus and I look at me and my lifestyle and I say, no, it doesn't make sense that I would take this, right? Again, rewilding, self-willed. I will look at my environment. Who am, I, who am I? If I was a very unhealthy person, I would be, and I still had the same mentality of how I seek knowledge and ask questions, then I would maybe take it, right? Um, probably not still because I don't think this virus is, is, is the virus to be, to be worried about vaccines, right? Um, and I also just look at like experimental um, aspect of this. I mean, we are looking at a new type of vaccine um, that have they have not been successful before with making SARS uh, virus vaccines. And so why all of a sudden, you know, one out the gate, uh, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There's not a lot of logic where I see people, my friends and, and smart individuals relying on fear mm -hmm. and looking for a quick comfort. So I, I sometimes say the worst thing you could know right now is a medical doctor who's maybe a baby boomer and on their way to retiring or some of my peers who I've worked with through different physical activity, prescription initiatives and things like that with general practitioners, but uh, who don't ask these questions, who are not into holistic health, do, who do not believe that even physical activity uh, matters, right? Like yeah. food doesn't really matter. Drugs work. And uh, with these people that aren't asking questions, I mean, we have to remember doctors originally are supposed to teach people doctor means to teach right how many doctor how many medical general practitioners are teaching us how to take care of our body right not that many and and that's just it doctors need to know and that's what we do that's what i do as a phd student we understand what we know and how we come to know it we know the ontology and epistemology we know the philosophy around what we can say about something Right. And I think a lot of doctors don't even realize the paradigm they're operating from yeah. is this reductionist. We figured out in the lab, we rushed this vaccine to, to the consumer within, uh, you know, a year. And to me, it's just like, if you know your scientific method, you know that that's not, that doesn't sound very safe, right? Based yeah. on what we're dealing with, actually, we don't need to do that. That sounds a little bit extreme as far as responsiveness goes. Right. So, um, and that's just it. Like it comes down to being a health conscious consumer. Now I'm Canadian. We we aren't health conscious <laughs> consumers. We have we have put well, air quotes public health care. Um, and I and I love the idea of public health care. I, I do again, despite being somewhat of a libertarian. But the idea of helping other people out, yep. paying a little bit for when someone gets hit on the road and we can put their leg back on. Right on. Technology is wicked, and I'm glad to be part of a civilization that has that. But I I really do think that. Uh, yeah, we've kind of just, again, we've over, over pledged our allegiance to this whole biomedical model. Um, it has its time and its place, but we have to start asking questions about its ability to, I mean, or if it even needs to combat dis 
viruses and things that we essentially have evolved with and essentially create the human cells that we are, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. A lot, there's a lot there. I know I kind of just rambled and, and ranted, but uh, yeah, I don't know if you got anything. Yeah, no, I, I mean, so much stuff that I don't even know where to start, but it's like, um, you know, it feels like people are willing to recognize uh, the corruption, uh, you know, in politics and in industry mm-hmm. through all these different areas, like with environmentalism, with um, health care, with drug policies, with, you know, racism, with all of these different things. Um, mm-hmm. But then somehow when it comes to the COVID issue and the vaccination issue, there's seemingly a really a lot of trust in these institutions that are part yeah. of the same conglomeration. I mean, and uh, it really doesn't take a whole lot of research to not, you know, it's not even about necessarily making a definitive statement on all vaccines or about all uh, pharmaceutical uh, interventions or anything, but just start to look at some of the basic uh, things that are happening. Like, the fact that there's a revolving door between the CDC and the FDA and pharmaceutical companies, you know? So it's like uh, some of the people that have been the heads of pharmaceutical companies then are put in these political positions to run the regulatory agencies that are supposed to keep the pharmaceutical companies in check. So there's just all these conflicts of interest and all these people are making so much money and there's so much money to be made uh, and to be lost by opposing viewpoints um and under this time of having these you know modern regulatory agencies that are supposed to look out for health like tony fauci with the nih that's supposed to be sort of like uh you know the national institute of health it's supposed to be looking at like the health of the population over the years and trying to address ways that whatever we have like the most childhood disease rates yeah uh, and, and you know i getting bad yeah i can't repeat all these statistics either but there are people who can and when you start to dig into it it's like Honest. we're sicker than ever our children are sicker than ever there's all these autoimmune conditions and allergies and there are pretty clear indications that of that there are evidence that these things could yeah. be at least in big part caused by vaccines as well as chemical agriculture, et cetera. Um, right, right. Modern life ways. Yeah. Modern and so life. it starts to become like, uh, especially with something that's not even approved. I mean, it's got emergency youth authorization, which is not an, uh, an actual approval, meaning this is sort of like an extension of a trial. So yeah. it's like an experimentation right now. Um, and who knows what the long-term consequences of these things are. Um, and so I feel like, unfortunately, these things are going to continue to ratchet up in their exaggeration until either there's enough damages or there's enough obvious corruption or whatever it is to where people really start to kind of like turn that light on of at least being willing Mm -hmm. to like talk about this stuff publicly and figure it out like hey if they are safe if there's really uh information coming from all sides and we're looking at it honestly and talking about it and challenging each other and it is safe and necessary i'd be the first one to be like yeah let's do it but that's not what i'm seeing you know it's tricky to be a mammal right now because we're part of a herd mentality right that's the way our brains are operated in firing so until enough of us like a herd of deer 
are pointing in the direction away from the wolf that the one hears over in the bushes behind them. So as they point the opposite direction of that wolf, if enough of them turn towards the safe zone, they will all go, right? Mm -hmm. So right now we're assessing the, the, the risk factor, the danger factor. How big is this wolf, right? Yeah. Say it's pretty big given the fact that we've kind of blindly put all these professions, as you say, on a pedestal. And, and honestly, it's just like people make mistakes. I, I, as someone who's worked hard and, and got to shake hands with some influential politicians and, and entrepreneurs and stuff here in Ontario anyways, um, all people doing what they think is best. I, yeah. I sometimes have a hard time believing that people like Bill Gates are actually out to statistically white people clean of the earth, right? Like, it's like, he believes these, this is real. He doesn't know any better. Um, and he's got what he feels is like the best science around. But really, it's like, during these changing times, these people who we once put on pedestals, it's like, well, new shit has come to light. We have to incorporate that. And that's what, again, doctors are supposed to do. Learn so we can teach, right? And yeah, uh, yeah so we have to just, again, come to terms with the fact that not everybody gets it right and money solidifies things and hides things in certain ways that we all know we all joke about politicians being corrupt and things like that yeah. we just don't want to think it's the people that are have our health and well-being you know the people that we go to if we did get hit on the road by a car we don't want to think that aspects of what they do is bad but that's the truth right yeah they are great right there in that moment in the emergency room they're all good yeah but like we have to again it's just the tying the identity Aspects of it need to, to die and fall apart, which I think they're happening, and other aspects will start to grow from that, right? So Yeah, it seems like the Western medical system is amazing as far as, like, dealing with a traumatic event in terms of, like, a physical trauma, like a breaking your leg or something. But when it comes to, like, whole managing your health and wellness over time, your mental health and physical health and wellness, it's it's just not cut out to do that. Nature. Yeah, nature does that. Nature does that. Your your body does that on its own if you let it, right? And yeah. that's just it. We try to get in the lab and figure all these things out, and it's just like, let it be. Like we don't need to medicalize and use nature. Just let it let it be. Let yeah. It so be. I think in some ways, you know, approaches to COVID nineteen, like a vaccine or other medical interventions, like pharmaceutical, you know, interventions like blood pressure medication or what have you, these different pharmaceuticals. It's almost like a way that we can try to take away symptoms so that we can keep doing the thing that's making us sick. Like we can stay in the lifestyle yeah. that's making us sick if, as long as we keep doing things that suppress yeah. the symptoms. Um, yeah. I wanted to say one more thing. I can't remember what it was now. It was, um, oh, dang. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. That's great. We're, turn, we're turning the wheels here, and I, and I like what we're, we're getting at because I think we're really, like, uh, I think painting a picture of the opportunity um, that can come from all this, right? I, I think we started off early saying that this is exciting times, but I think we've kind of backed that up, um, not only through kind of, like, calling into question the powers that be, but, uh, yeah, looking at, like, how nature is always, like, right there for us. Like, it's right there providing whatever we need and i think as soon as we not to say get out of the way but let harness that power harness yeah. that ability and let nature in life i mean it's always growing moving towards more life right and sometimes the human brain gets afraid of just kind of letting go and letting that happen but i mean really that is what's happening despite thinking we have control of all it we're all going to die one day right? yeah so I, I in the beginning when i started to get into the COVID stuff i really started chatting with friends 
God would come up real quick and mm. like, you know, living, your, living a life with purpose and, and, and feeling satisfied if it were to, I mean, I'm just turned 38 years old. I'm not ready to leave by any means. I think best years are still to come hopefully, but yeah. I, I just like, we really got to get grounded in the reality of, of the human experience, which is uh, a physical birth and a, and a physical death. And um, yeah. And then, and then live it the best we can. But I think we haven't been for so long we've become domesticated and we're all yearning for nature and that, that wildness within us. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's time to let the, let the wildness out of the cage. Yeah. Let the tiger out of the cage. Yeah. Uh, that, that's funny. Cause I'm actually just listening to Peter Levine's book, waking the tiger. I don't know okay. if you've heard of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I think what you said about getting out of the way, like that, seems to be right and you know i remembered what i was going to say which is uh i just saw i think it was a phil jackson the, the old coach of the bulls he was like big into zen and mindfulness and stuff and one of the one of his like philosophies to the players was like when in or maybe it was his coaching philosophy was when in doubt do nothing or something and i've heard similar sentiments sort of echoed from different areas but it's just the idea and i found this to be true over the last couple of years in my own life going through some really challenging stuff is like if there's a point where things are kind of chaotic and you don't know what to do, um, maybe that is a time where you can just do nothing. Like we always feel, and maybe this is the, the sort of masculine energy dominance in our culture as far as like taking action and solving things and fixing things. It's like, right. there is an invitation for a little bit of that more feminine surrender that's like taking the opportunity to just like be still and make no decision for a while and let things play out. And I think that's something in our culture, like with the vaccination thing, we rushed to this idea that we need to have a vaccine and we need to have this and we need to do it right away and everybody needs to take it. And there's no time to wait. There's no time to study it and find out what it could do long-term, just do it, take it. And it's like, uh, it just seems like we could really cultivate more of that. What yeah. you said, like pausing in nature, sitting, you know, calmly asking a question, mm -hmm. uh, just this idea of like uh, taking a pause, you know, like we don't yeah. always need to rush to fix something. Right. Without a doubt. No, it's just, that's just it. It's uh, the silence that all the good things come in nature. I mean, we don't need science to, to teach us that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, shit, man. I mean, I feel like we could definitely keep going. We're going to have to do a part two, I think, at some point here because uh, right. it feels like we got just a lot of stuff in common, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything specifically that I didn't ask or that you were hoping to talk about that we didn't get to? You know, I, I, lo I love the conversation, and I love that it kind of got put on the backdrop, nature connection put on the backdrop of where we are right now, because I think just studying things, for me anyways, just studying things for a few other academics to read drives me a little yeah. bit crazy. Yeah. So if I couldn't disseminate knowledge with people who I can connect with, like you, and, you know, countries apart, but feel connected to in, in our interests in, in a lot, and uh, I'm just really, yeah, really grateful for you asking me to be here to do this, and, and the way this went, I hope that listeners out there are able to, yeah, realize it, just, just be in nature say hello, get outside and that whole pause exercise. I just, um, just want to kind of reiterate that. It's just walk outside 30 seconds, just pause and listen and, and see what comes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, thank you. I want to also extend that gratitude to you for taking the time to chat with me. It was really great. Um, 
Yeah, I guess uh, where's the easiest people for or easiest place for people to find you if they want to, you know, listen to your podcast or hear more about what you're working on? Yeah, so I, the website for the podcast is rewildmybio.com, and uh, I'm on Instagram as well at rewildmybio. That's basically uh, I got rid of all the other ones with the censorship and things, and mm. I just don't like you know I'm I, again I'm a true nature connection buff. I'd rather be in nature than post pictures about it, but I do that on occasion yeah. and uh yeah for the most part the uh i have a newsletter that i try to get out every month it doesn't always happen that way but uh yeah rewildmybio.com is where you can find it awesome yeah cool, man well thank you again thank you great, yep. great, great, great.